Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. Uh, My daughter, Margaret, has this whiteboard in her room, and we've recently just put prayer requests on that because I realize there's so many people in our lives that are hurting, uh, that have medical needs. There's some of our friends got major family issues going on, things that we just need to be praying about. And so often our world will be like, we'll pray for you. And, or you send a quick text saying, we'll be praying for you. And that's kind of where it ends. And we don't really follow up with that. So I told my daughter, I want to be really intentional. So she started making a prayer list in her room. And as a family, when we go to bed, we look at that prayer list. But I just realized there's just so much heartache going on in people's lives right now, people that I know. But even when I look at this world, there's so much hurt and there's so much anger going on. I just, you go down the road and you're driving and you see the road rage. Just in the last 24 hours of what I've had to deal with, I had to call 911. There was somebody yelling and screaming on my street as he was carrying a he was carrying a, a suitcase and I almost hit it in the pitch black the other day. And then I witnessed the very next morning a hit and run and somebody was scrambling to get away after they just hit this old person's car. Then I witnessed a couple hours later, a fight broke out in a restaurant that I was in. And it's like everywhere you go, people are tense. They're angry. They're hurt. Maybe this is kind of the uh, post-COVID world we are in. Um, Maybe it's due to the just economic and political issues we're facing. I don't know, but I know I'm not the only one that sees it and feels it. But um, recently, I was invited out to Calvary Albuquerque, which is in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is led by Skip Isaac. And Skip and his wife, Linya, are dear friends of our family. And so when Linya called me to come speak at her women's event, um, of course I went. I People don't often see me doing too many women's events. There, There's probably reasons for that of, um, I don't accept um, a whole lot of those invitations for different reasons, but I just felt um, when she shared her heart behind it, that I was totally on board for this. Because I think for women especially, but I'm also seeing it in men now, we're starting to tend to bond over our traumas. And yes, there's a time for that. There's definitely a time where healing can come when we're a community that can share our trials and traumas. But I think that's become the focus over the last few years, especially when you go to conferences or you have Bible studies, those tend to be, the trauma tends to be the focus instead of what really bonds us. And that's like the blood of Jesus Christ, his word to strengthen us through those trials. It's because we do have that hope of Jesus Christ. And I think so often, especially as me as a millennial, we don't talk about that hope of heaven enough. And we need to have that eternal perspective. My grandparents taught taught me that. Uh, They lived by that. So I want to share um, my message from that night with the women I spent in Albuquerque. Here it is. My family and I, we took a recent trip to Utah. This was for my birthday a few weeks ago. This was one of my bucket list items to go into Zion National Park. Really wanted to go without my family, just mama get away for a little bit. Happened to be my kid's spring break. So I was like, okay, I guess the family can come. And we book it. And to be honest, we travel all the time, but it's always with work. We had never been on a family vacation of just 
just going and having fun. Fun maybe being the key word. So we, we go, I consulted with the top travel experts in our nation, Instagram influencers. Um, they've posted all these cool pictures of these tents and like glamping. And you see all these people doing yoga poses. They're like from California with white hiking boots that come and um, probably don't do a whole lot of hiking. They're just posing for their pictures. My husband told me I got sold the snake oil of Instagram influencers. Let's just say this place looked really cute in pictures, but wasn't made for function. And everything on that trip I could possibly say went wrong. Everything. I'm not even going to go in the details because we would be here a long time. And every time we would rally as a family and say, okay, we are going to make the best of this, something else would happen. And okay, let's pray, Lord, we're going to be joyful in this moment. Bam, something else would happen. And um, of course, the weather, the rain, it snowed, it sleeted, it hailed. Um, the tent was leaking. Our kids' tent flooded. Our car that we thought was four-wheel drive um, that we rented on Turo ended up not being four-wheel drive in the snow. And everything possibly went wrong. But why? The tent that we were supposed to shelter, that was supposed to shelter us, wasn't made for that kind of weather. The vehicle that was supposed to transport us to the top of the mountain was not created for that kind of weather. And so, like my husband said, when glamping's not glamping, it's camping. I need to get like the Isaacs and get one of those Airstreams, and then that would be glamping. I love seeing their pictures. But it all started falling apart. And I believe so often we can get caught up in looking at the problems of our earthly tents. We get so focused on this earthly life, and every day our tents are failing. We look at the global unrest the cultural turbulence, personal suffering, our marriages are falling apart, our children get sick, our finances, our health. Maybe we've lost a loved one, a child or a parent, or everyday turmoil just strikes us. And how do we respond? Because it's easy to become overwhelmed in this world. It's easy to become depressed and anxious. We could look, and look at the news every day, it's like, whew, we're just sinking faster than we can think possible in this nation. And it seems hopeless. And it really seems like Satan and his demons are running at full speed right now. They're tackling a generation. We're living by lies. And we allow the failings of our earthly tents to rob us of the joy and the focus we are to have. You know, we as Christians, we're to live different than the world. And sometimes it's harder to tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Um, I remember a couple months ago when I was about eight months pregnant, a hurricane had hit our home in Fort Myers, Florida, and wiped a lot of our town off the map. And it was just a rough, rough couple weeks there. And my car broke down in the middle of the road. And I was able to get, soft, or like get off to the side and wasn't in anybody's way, and it was safe. And this older lady comes beeping and honking and, you know, her hands are out the window. And of course, she had one of those little Christian fish on the back of her car. And isn't it so different? Like the world's angry right now, full of anger. And we as Christians, we're to be living separate of that. We are on the greatest ride of our life. We should be filled with joy because we know where our destiny is, and that is heaven. And yep, it's like a roller coaster. It's the ups and the downs and the twirls, and we can get sick along this ride. 
But when we get off and we get to heaven, we're like, wow, that was incredible. Look what God did. We as Christians have a unique ability to step back from a situation and view life from a transcendent perspective. My college pastor called it gospel optimism. Gospel optimism insists that no matter how dark the times we have, we have every reason to hope in Christ. When Linya asked me to come tonight, um, and she told me her heart tonight about being a better day, I said, count me in, I'm there. Because I want us women to look with joy and anticipation of what's to come. I so often think women's ministry, there's been a trend over the last 10 years that we're bonding over our traumas. And you go to a women's conference, it can be quite depressing. And I don't go to too many women's conferences because instead of bonding over our traumas, we should be bonding of what we have in Jesus Christ. And that's the blood of Jesus. That's what bonds us. And it's okay to talk about and those challenges and those difficulties. That can be helpful to talk to one another. We're to be there for one another. But sometimes we get lost on the focus of life and we look at the failures and the, the challenges and we lose that eternal perspective of a heavenly kingdom. I one time went to this women's conference um, years ago. Like I said, after that, I really don't go to too many of them until Linya calls and asks. And so we go, and every woman that got up on stage was just talking about the challenges and the heartache and the hardships they were facing. And they were kind of doing it, waving like a banner of honor a little bit. And everybody was crying for days and days. And I looked over, and I thought, I was like, maybe I'm not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Maybe something's wrong with me because you know what? I came here, we're all in challenges and we're in dark times in our life, but I want to come to learn scripture that's going to sustain me through those storms. I need to be strengthened. There's one girl, I didn't know her. She came with somebody, a part of our party, and she, you could tell she was just miserable in life right then. Her husband got a new job. She wasn't happy about it. Her husband took her to a new city, not happy about it. She didn't like the new friends she had made. And she loved this conference because misery loves misery so many times, right? She's just crying and she's happy and she's soaking it up. And all I wanted was scripture because I think too often too in women, you know, in Second Peter, which we're going to look at today, and a lot in the New Testament talks about false teaching and false prophets. And often as Christian women, we get caught up in that and we don't even realize it because we're so busy reading other people's words about God's word instead of studying God's word. And don't get me wrong, devotion, there's great devotionals out there, and those are, but we're, we're depending all on that. And we're not studying God's word. And ladies, I think it's creating us to be weak. We're created to be tough, strong, and brave women. And we've, we're creating ourselves to be weak and we're getting swept up with our culture because we don't know God's word. And the scripture says those who know their God will be able to stand in strength and be able to take action. And we live in a culture right now where we as women better stand up and take strength and be able to stand in strength and take action. And we're called to do that. And we're so often caught up in our, in our troubles and our misery that we've lost our focus of where God and where Jesus is calling us. 
We need an unfading tent. We need a four-wheel drive in the mud and storms of life. And when it comes to traveling through this life, I want a shelter that's actually going to shelter me in the storms. I need to be in a tent that doesn't fade, that doesn't leak. I want to be on a vehicle that can get me to that high road and into that destination. And we as Christians can only stand on this in this world on the solid rock of God's word. It's like the simple song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. I have little kids. When my little boy would come downstairs early in the morning and I'd have my Bible open, I would say, Austin, what is this? It's God's word, mama. Yes, what is God's word? It's truth, mama. You gotta start instilling that at a young age. And here's just a little tip that I learned. Um, that sometimes, not all the time, do I get my devotions done in the morning. In an ideal, ideal world, we all get it done early in the morning, have our cup of coffee while the birds are chirping. I know it doesn't happen all the time. But I would leave it open if I finished before my kids would wake up. I didn't close it because I wanted my kids to see God's word open in my home. I wanted them to see where mama got her strength, where mama filled her cup every day. So just encourage you, this is a little side note, not even in my notes, um, leave your Bible open in your home. But although it's night, and many of us maybe have come tonight in the middle of a storm, and I want to encourage you, this past year in my life was one of the darkest times. It was dark and it wasn't like me. I suffered with severe depression and anxiety during my pregnancy. I have in all three of them. And there was other life circumstances that were happening and they just kept happening kind of like this trip. And it wasn't me. And I had to call out to the Lord, Lord, rescue me when I don't feel like myself. And here's a, when you are in a storm of darkness, and you don't feel like opening up God's word, do it out of obedience. Start reading it. We're called to be obedient. When you don't want to hear, turn on those those hymns and that worship music and listen. When you don't feel like praying, get on your knees and you pray because God will not forsake you. He's closer than you think he is. Like Linya said in those dark times, he's there. But we were built for a better day and that day is coming. Tonight, we're going to look at 2 Peter. You know, if I thought, maybe I don't even know if I put my little tag in 2 Peter. Let's see if I was prepared when I got up here. I did. We're going to look at 2 Peter. And of course, it was written by the Apostle Peter, probably between 65, 64, maybe to 67 AD. And it was close um, to the end of his life. He was getting ready to be crucified. This was um, by a wicked emperor, Nero, who, he was out to get Christians. And it was brutal persecution. Things that we couldn't even fathom that was happening to Christians. And this was his farewell message. Um, Things he wanted us to remember. You know, the anticipation of Christ. We should be anticipating the Lord's return. Um. And these are things he wanted us to remember as he was getting ready to lay down his tent. He said in 2 Peter 1.14, knowing that laying aside my earthly tent is imminent as also the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And Peter uh, reminds us in 2 Peter 1.4, through these, he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises 
so that by them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world on account of lust. Ladies, we have precious and magnificent promises to help us in this corruption of this world to escape all that he's given it. And I've read that there's 30,000 promises in scripture. Um, we're not going to get close to those. Of, But what are some of those promises? And there might be some that you've clung to over the years that you've had written in your home or you send to your family as reminders, get them written on your, on your refrigerator. But we know that God promised that his love will never fail. God promised that if we search for him, we will find him. Jesus promised eternal life to those who trust him. Jesus promised that he will return for us. We have the promise of salvation, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of his second coming, as Second Peter says, and the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And Psalm 146, uh, five through six, it says, but joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. Ladies, we're to be joyful. Why? Because we have hope. Hope in the creator of the universe, who in 30,000 promises in his word, he keeps every single one of them. It says to be joyful, we can have joy in the storms because we have hope. Um, how many of moms out there, when you're trying to get to church or to school in the morning, especially on Sunday mornings, it's probably the hardest morning to get out of the door. And so many times we're yelling, we're screaming, get ready, find your shoes. We're frustrated, we're mad. And when we get in the car, none of us are talking to one another. I can't help tell you how many times the greeters at the church, you're just walking straight past them especially Sunday morning. So, or, um, so I've played this song in the morning. Um, it's kind of like the updated version of I got joy, joy down in my heart, but it's joyful with Dante Bo that um, we as a family, we got to choose it sometimes. You have to fight for that joy in your life because it doesn't always come easy. And so we play that song as a family to remind ourselves that we're joyful and love one another. But we're going to take a look at three of the precious promises Peter talks about. The first promise, ladies, is a fading versus an unfading inheritance. And let's just jump to it. We have an unfading inheritance in heaven. Um, I have a personal hair colorist that I think is pretty amazing. And well, don't, I didn't have time to go this week, so don't look too closely. Um, and I also think he's the best looking hairstylist in the country because that's my husband, Corey. Um, <laughs> Ladies, here's a little side note. You want to find a man that it loves the Lord, loves the Lord with his whole heart and is unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Linya said, that's how I knew he was the one. He was unashamed of the gospel. He would take a stand against culture and he reminded me of my dad. That's not always, you know, sometimes you're like, what? I married my father. <laughs> and it kills him when I say that, makes him so mad. But anyways, but if you can find a man that is willing to do your roots every three to four weeks, <laughs> lock that deal down if that's what you need, because whew, it saves you a lot of money in the long run. <laughs> but on a serious note, we look at, um, oh, <laughs> I'm talking about my good looking husband and all this. But the reason I have to diet is because I inherited this dark hair from my family. But what I also inherited, that it fades. 
And it started fading at a young age, 24 to be exact. I started growing gray. So this fading inheritance that I got from my family. But on a serious note, we so often put our inheritance on an earthly thing. And we know that. We know that truth, that we're not to put our treasures in here, that they should be in heaven. But I was recently watching a documentary on Netflix, and this was probably about 15 years ago the story happened, and I was like captivated by it with Bernie Madoff. And um, for the young people in here, you might not know who Bernie Madoff is. He was the mastermind behind the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. Almost $65 billion he stole from people. And I watched this Netflix documentary on it, and it was devastating. It just came out a couple months ago. And it didn't matter if you were um, just had invested $25,000 with him or $25 million with him. The impact was great. You had millionaires who were committing suicide because they didn't know how to handle losing everything that they owned because they put everything they had with this man. And then you saw people who just put all their life savings. They had worked hard their whole lives and put it, and it was gone and they were destroyed and they were devastating to watch that. It was, it was hard to watch, but Peter writes about a different kind of an inheritance in, the le- in this letter. And in 1 Peter, uh, I wanna actually go back to 1 Peter, although we're gonna look at 2 Peter tonight in 1 Peter, because this is a promise I've had to cling to over the last couple of years, and that's 1 Peter 1, three through four. It says, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Ladies, we have an unfading inheritance that can never be taken away, that can never be corrupted, it can never be stolen. It's in heaven for you, for me, and it's waiting. Peter, as we know, um, him in his, early, in his early days with Jesus, was more concerned about the here and the now. He was very quick to speak. He was impulsive. Um, we know on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he saw Moses and Elijah, he was so busy. He wanted to build that earthly dwelling, that earthly tent. And God had to speak from heaven and say, Whew, here's my son, listen to him. Jesus was right there. Ladies, we have to have this focus that's on Jesus and not on our our earthly tents. But then we know that Peter went on to deny Jesus three times on the night that Jesus would be betrayed. It filled him with guilt and shame. So what took it from, from a Peter that was filled with guilt and shame to what he did to his friend, his best friend, to the Peter now, who's talking about an unfading inheritance, who goes throughout scripture in the early church, telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ, telling people to repent from their sins, that their only hope was through Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross, that when he would be flogged and persecuted, he rejoiced. What happened? How did that happen to that Peter? What made the difference? It was a personal encounter with a resurrected resurrected Christ. When Jesus came back, when he had risen from the dead and he met him on the Sea of Galilee, on those shores, and he forgave him. He removed the consuming guilt. He freed him to teach, to encourage, and to go on and to equip others 
with the years to come. Peter could cling to that promise of unfading inheritance in heaven, and he devoted the rest of his life to sharing the good news with others. The encounter with Jesus changes everything, and we as Christians should be living like that. That if we know the hope in Jesus that we have, that changes everything. That changes our destiny. That changes our focus. That we are to be sharing the good news. That doesn't mean we're all going to be up here on stage. It's not where I want to be. I tried to fight that for years, but God had a different plan. But that means in your everyday life where you are, whether you're a teacher, a friend, whether you're in the grocery store and you're meeting somebody, that Jesus Christ changes your focus, that we have to be sharing the good news. I have um, a lady that I worked for in Thailand when I was in college, and it's who my little girl is named after. Her name's Marg Baker. And she is that lady that when you meet her, you know there's something different. And I'm sure we all know somebody like that. There's like a twinkle in their eye. Linya's one of those. She is fun. She's a fun chick. Am I allowed to call you a chick? I know it's a woke world. We're not allowed to say that about women anymore. But I guess when it comes to women to women, you know there's something immediately different about her. We as Christians, we can have fun. We can have joy. But this lady, Marg, she had had a hard life. Her husband just didn't leave her once, but twice. Her... Um, she thought she kind of had a plan for her life, but God diverted that plan and took her to Thailand where she's been now 20 years away from her children and her grandchildren. And she uh, recently in the last few years had a difficult battle with cancer. And I promise every time you talk to her, how are you, Mark? Oh, I'm so wonderful. I had the greatest time telling my doctor about Jesus today. So even in those storms of life, you never saw a complaint coming out of her mouth. It was always of joy and the opportunity to share Jesus. Jesus who gives the hope for a better day to come. When my grandfather died, um, everybody had their Billy Graham story. And I would hear people um, like Skip or Greg Laurie, people that knew him, share what they had learned from him sitting down kind of one-on-one. Well, to me, he was just my grandfather. When I went to his home, I didn't sit there and have those one-on-one conversations and these deep theology questions with Daddy Bill. That's what we'd call him. So I had to start making a list. What did I learn from him? And I came up with about 10 to 12 things that I truly learned from my grandparents. And that was that they taught me to have an eternal perspective. My grandparents spoke on heaven. They taught on heaven. They wrote on heaven. They spoke about it just one-on-one in their kitchen. And you remember um, like when you would be around your grandparents and your parents and they would say, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. And you're like, That's a really weird thing, right? Like, why do they say that? You know, I can remember in college um, or in high school, they said that one time. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just like fall in love. I'm like, I haven't got married to Corey. I haven't had sex yet. I haven't had kids yet. I can say that, right? We're a bunch of women. I And I was waiting for marriage. So I just, I hadn't lived life. And now fast forward 15 years later and I'm a mom in the cultural wars that we're facing and all of the stuff that's going on in this world. The other day I caught myself saying, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. And my son looked at me and goes, why did you say that, mom? As a millennial, I'm in the here and the now. We're the fast, the quick, convenient society. We order our... Um, Our groceries, they're delivered. We read our Bible on our phones and our iPads. We're here in the quick and now. We don't think much in the future. I mean, I'm sitting here living my best life, glamping in the rain and not thinking of like my retirement plan. But my grandparents taught me different. When my grandfather died, you heard the quote, many, it was all over the news, that someday you will hear Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. 
I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. My grandfather also wrote one of his last books, or I think it was his last book because it was in his 90s, um, called Nearing Home. And one of the questions was that he addresses, what are you preparing for? And it said, he, and he wrote, some people spend their lives building ultimate dream homes so that they can enjoy their twilight years. Some find themselves exchanging their bank accounts for residence within the gates of a retirement center. Others spend their last days in nursing homes. For those of you who do not know him, choosing your eternal home is the most important decision you will ever make. For the Christian, the last mile of the way is a testimony to God's faithfulness. For he, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Our Messiah, he went to prepare a place for you and for me. And we don't often think about that. We forget that. My grandfather stated in his last will and testament what he wanted for his children and grandchildren. It was made public. You can read it. I actually had to Google it, so I had it for you. (laughs) But one of the statements said, I urge all of you to walk with the Lord in a life of separation from the world and to keep eternal values in view. That's what he wanted for his children and his grandchildren. Keep your eyes focused on those eternal values. Ladies, we're to leave a godly legacy to our family a godly inheritance. Mothers and grandmothers here, that is one of our greatest responsibilities we have to this young generation, these little girls who are sitting in there, to leave a godly inheritance. The second promise we're gonna look at is a fade-proof promise that we will not stumble. Over the 30,000 promises in scripture, there are simply that God just gives to us. But then there's some that are contingent on what we have to do. Um, and Peter, in 2 Peter um, 1, starting in verse 5, and I can't remember what I put on the screen. I might not have put all of it because it was long, but let me uh, read it. And often when you see a list, it's a progression. And it says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to the virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins." Therefore, brethren, even more diligent, make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You can't call yourself a Christian and you live like the world. When you come to know Christ, you're going to change. The old is gone. You're a new creation. And Peter describes this beautiful passage, that, um, the qualities that should be evident and ever-increasing in our lives as we grow in the knowledge of him. We as women should be challenged by these words to live diligently by them. This doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. That's not what the scripture means. But if you do hold on to his word and you grow in the knowledge of him, and there's that formula, that progression as the list gives, you will not 
let's put this in an easy way. The, you will not fall to the lies that this world is living by. You're not going to fall in to what the woke culture is telling you. You will be able to understand if you know his word and you've been growing in him and he prepares, you will be able to understand when a lie is told to you in culture, that you will be able to have the strength and the courage to stand against it, that you're not going to fall to Satan and to his schemes. That's what this means, that you're not going to fall away from that. It's like when people study money and they're, they're studying currency, they got to study it diligently to know every detail of it. So when they're going through it, that they can spot a counterfeit so quickly. And it might be a small minor thing, that's something that doesn't sound right in our culture. Think of all the lives that are being told to this young generation. We as moms, and sometimes they sound pretty good. You're like, hmm, that doesn't sound too bad. Or this church starts teaching this, hmm, that doesn't sound too off, but there's something not right in your spirit that you know because you know God and he's going to keep you from not stumbling. But to never stumble, we have to apply it to our lives. God does his part, but we have to do our part. We have to be diligent. We have to apply effort. We have to live out that responsibility as women for our family. The third promise is the best, the promise of a better day that Jesus is coming and our home is in heaven. Peter teaches us in 2 Peter uh, 1.19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Ladies, this prophetic word, it's confirmed. Why? He was an eyewitness. But come on, 2,000 years people have been trying to figure out the mysteries, the greatest theologians and philosophers of this time. They've never been able to figure it out because God breathed the words of this scripture. It is confirmed. Ladies, it shines in the darkness. In these dark worlds that we're in, we know that scripture says it'll be a light unto our path. If you're unsure of the dark world, this will be your assurance. Until the morning star, that's Jesus Christ, until the day dawns and he comes back. Ladies, it's a done deal. It's done. It's confirmed that Jesus Christ himself, he is coming back. And how do we head toward that promise of a better day in the midst of things that are swirling and chaos and confusion are running at large in our culture? And my dad uh, growing up, um, and I was learning to drive, uh, he would teach me the gaze strategy. You steer where you're looking, right? And I can remember as like a teenager, I'd watch my dad drive. Now, this might sound strange, he really is an incredible driver. You know, he's driven his motorcycle with skip many places. He's driven on some of the craziest, dangerous roads in this country. But if you watch him, and he's driving on the road, his eyes are always focused of what's ahead. Now, his eyes will gaze left to the right to the rear view mirror. He's looking at the dangers that might be coming, but he's focused. 
Ladies, that's how we are to live. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, on that cross of what he did. Where we are going, that's heaven. That is our destiny. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And we keep our eyes focused. We don't start looking while we're driving on Instagram and TikTok and everything else. We stay focused. We don't start chit-chatting like I did one time when I was 19 years old and putting lip gloss on and ran the car right in front of me. I guess I had to wait and learn from my dad. But that gaze strategy, that when we keep our eyes focused on the future and what God has in store, it will determine how we live now. Another strategy I learned while I was driving, we keep our hands 10 and two. How many of you have kids in your home that are beginning to learn how to drive? Anybody? Or when you were parents and trying to teach your kids to drive, you gotta teach them 10 and two. It's not funny, none of us do that anymore, but we teach our kids to do that. My niece just turned 15, so she just got her um, permit. They send the pictures, and she's so cute, just sitting straight up at the steering wheel, 10 and 2. But ladies, when you keep one hand on the promise of an unfading inheritance, and you keep that other hand on those principles to live a life that you will never stumble— You can steer confidently in the direction where Jesus Christ is going, that a better day is coming and that you know that you hold both hands there. You keep all those promises because you can steer confidently in these dark days and the days are fading around you. Your unfading inheritance awaits for you. And it was just like that time when we were on that mountain and it was snowing and we were in Utah And we were going up this mountain and the snow started pouring and a car flipped over on the side of the road. Corey had to get out and help them. I told you this trip was rough and he had to get out and help this couple. And we're we're going up to Bryce Canyon. It was the raining, the weather was too bad for us to go to Zion. I said, we'll go to Bryce Canyon. Well, now the weather's uh, closing in on us. We had never been in this circumstance. We uh, didn't know the roads. We didn't know how far we went. We didn't know what was ahead. And I said, Corey, we better check and make sure that this car's four-wheel drive. We rented it, said it was four-wheel drive. I don't see that AWD in the back. It wasn't four-wheel drive. We couldn't keep going with confidence. We didn't know where we were going. We weren't prepared. It was failing on us. So we turned around. And although I was trying to be joyful and have a good attitude in front of my kids, I started to cry. Because I just said, we're only here three days. Couldn't go to Zion. We didn't go to Bryce Canyon. I needed this to kind of restore and renew me after that last year. I just needed to see God's beauty and majestic creation. So we turned around. And when we turned around, a snowplow was coming. Corey turns around and says, that's it. We're following the snowplow up the mountain. And here we go. So we started doing it. And because that snowplow was plowing the way, it was making the way for us to go. Just like Jesus Christ has done for you and for me, he has plowed the way for you. He left heaven. He came here. He stood with his arms wide for the world to mock him. The world's still mocking him 2,000 years later. And he surrendered his life for you and for me to make a direct path, an easy path for you and for me to go to heaven because it's not on what we do, it's on what he did. He died, he shed his blood on the cross and he defeated death three days later, he rose and he's alive today. 
and he's now in a place preparing for you because he created the way and we can go in confidence. And you know what, when we got up that mountain, the skies parted. For one hour, I had blue skies, the glory of Bryce Canyon. Ladies, when we get up there and it parts away, the glory we're gonna be when we get into heaven, that is our hope. Matthew 25 says, but when the son of man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. That's the better day coming. I remember a few years ago, I was watching the remake of Lion King. Has anybody ever seen that in here with your children? You know, not too many people have you seen it, but I was watching it and it's the remake of the Lion King with the real lion. And I started crying. My husband said, what's wrong with you? You're watching the Lion King and you're crying because it was in this scene with this lion in his full glory running back to his kingdom that had been overtaken with corruption and darkness and evil. And he was going back to redeem it. And that's how Jesus Christ is coming back for you and for me. He's coming back in his full glory, ladies. He's coming back to redeem it, to wipe away every tear, every sickness, every injustice that's been done. Jesus Christ is coming back. And the world is gonna bow down. The world's gonna say, you are God. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, everybody, Lord. So what are we waiting for, ladies? We should be singing King of Glory. He is the King. Don't wait, anticipate that glory. As I was preparing for this and my heart was just battling what I was gonna say, there was a poem for my grandmother and I couldn't remember it. And it was in her, uh, I remember it was printed at her funeral. And so I had the office send me her program. There was only two Bible verses in it. The first one was 1 Peter 1, 3, 4, 3 through 4 of our unfading inheritance. The second one was 2 Corinthians 5, 1. Now we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal home in heaven. I told you, my, parents, my grandparents, they lived it, but it was like she was a part of tonight. I wasn't gonna read it, but let me read her poem. Yeah. When I die, I hope my soul ascends slowly so that I may watch the earth receding out of sight, its vastness growing smaller as I rise, savoring its recession with delight anticipating joy, a joy unspeakable and full of glory, needs more than a twinkling of an eye, more than in a moment, but Lord, who am I to disagree? It's only we have much to leave behind so much before. These moments of transition will for me be a time to adore. Today can be a good day. Tomorrow can be a good day, but there's a far better day coming when we all get home. One day when we're home in the promised land because our earthly tents are failing. Remember he, the King of glory, has gone to prepare a place for you. Ladies, start living like it. Start living with that hope, that joy that the world can't take away, but that we're going to heaven. And there's some of you tonight 
might be in that dark place right now. I've been there. I've been in the storm. But we have hope. And maybe you don't know that hope. Maybe you're clinging in this world that seems hopeless and you're wondering, Sissy, what are you talking about? How do we have a better day? Jesus did it. We surrender our life to him. And I want to pray tonight. And maybe some of you just need to pray and say, Lord, I haven't kept my focus on you. I've allowed the world to define how I live. I've allowed the world to define how I look at this, in this view. And we just need to pray. Lord, forgive me for losing my focus on you. But maybe there's some of you that don't know him. You've been carrying that burden, that guilt, that shame in life, and you need that encounter with the resurrected Jesus who will cleanse all of that. Let me close us in prayer. Lord, how precious you are. I thank you tonight for every lady here you knew who would be here tonight. Lord, we thank you that we have the hope of heaven, that it's an inheritance that you have for us that the world can't take away. And Lord, maybe there's some women here tonight who's, who've lost that focus, that joy, the purpose of why we're here, because it matters how we live. It matters as Christians, because it's a testament of who you are. And that's the hope we have in this world. Lord, I pray that they would just surrender it to you that you would give them the courage, fill them with that joy, that when they meet and encounter people in this, this city, as Linnea reminded, the revival starts with us. That one-on-one -on -one encounter with you will change how we encounter others. But Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know that there's a better day, I pray right now that their hearts would surrender that they would ask you, forgive them of their sins, forgive them of the, the things that they carry, Lord, that you would be the King of kings, the Lord of lords of their life, that they would surrender their life and know that you love them so much that you died on a cross from them, and all they have to do is put their faith in you. Lord, we're so grateful. What a night to celebrate as we go out and we sing of your glory forever and ever, Lord. We thank you for the hope of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanted to share my message that I spoke to these ladies that night because I want to encourage you that there is a, a better day coming that we have the hope of Jesus, we have the hope of heaven, and we have to start living like that. We need to live separate of the world, a world that is living with anger and fear going on right now. We as Christians are called to be different. So thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless. I encourage you, check out Calvary Albuquerque. Skip Isaac is one of our family's favorite Bible teachers. He travels around the world with my dad these last couple of years doing devotions at my dad's events, but also, Corey and I, we watch him all the time on YouTube and his app. Check it out. But thankful for Linya Heisek, her ministry called Sheology. It's a group of women that are doing incredible things there in Albuquerque, and I'm so grateful. And one other thing is, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see some of my jewelry I'm wearing. 
That is from Linya Heisek's line. It's called Reload Love, where they take old uh, bullet casings. Um, so they take the brass, they melt it, and they turn it into beautiful jewelry to help children that have been caught in the acts of terrorism um, and to help bring healing to their lives. So it's called Reload Love. Beautiful jewelry. If you need a gift, check it out. Once again, thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless. Fearless.